0: Question the important issues of today and try to find a sort of spiritual connection? Welcome to Religious Faith and the Public Square with Father John Holliman as your host. Religion deals with the most fundamental issues humans face. There are arguments for and against the existence of God, where religion belongs in everyday life and a number of questions left unanswered. This is where it all gets discovered. Now, here is Father John Holliman.
1: Good day to you all. Good to be back with you. I uh, hope you're fine. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, religion and politics, which uh, in polite society usually the forbidden subjects because people quite often can't agree on them. But uh, I think it's, uh, the situation has reached a point where we need to say something about it. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that religion is not a welcome guest in political circles in our country. Indeed, there is an element that would marginalize if not eliminate religious voices in public issues such as healthcare. This is understandable in light of the cacophony of viewpoints in the religious community itself. There seems to be no one person or group that can speak for religious concerns. However, there seems to be some agreement on such broad topics as religious liberty. Take the separation of church and state in our constitution. It was the religious groups that insisted on having this idea enshrined in the constitution to protect the various religious groups that had migrated from Europe uh, from the state, to protect them from the state. Many of them had experienced persecution from governments of countries they had left behind and were insistent that whatever their faith, they should be protected from governmental intrusion. What they did not foresee was that this principle is a two-edged sword. It could be used by the state to keep religion from interfering with their interests in governing the citizens. That seems to be what we are experiencing today religion is often viewed as an obstacle to implementing what the governing caste deems to be important policies. The most recent example of this is the Obama administration's insistence on requiring the inclusion of birth control and abortion in insurance policies for employees of religious institutions. The Little Sisters of the Poor, a religious order of nuns who minister to indigent people in their nursing homes, Object on the grounds that it was contrary to the teaching of the Catholic Church. Such things have been considered immoral by the Church for centuries. The matter was fought in the courts all the way up to the Supreme Court, which refused to rule on the matter and sent it back to the lower courts for resolution. With the change of administrations in the last election, the difficulty seems to have been resolved with the assistance of the Justice Department But already, there are two states, Pennsylvania and California, who are challenging that um, uh, religious liberty provision of the health care bill. Um, So, the argument is by no means over. Um, The point is that government tried to impose its version of health care on a duly constituted religious group. The only precedent that I know of is the case of polygamy among the Mormons being judged illegal. However, there seems to be a certain element among the Mormons themselves that insist on the practice, even today, and no one has tried to suppress their view of marriage, even though they are not in the mainstream of Mormon practice. How did we get to this point? American history holds out one possibility, while I shall uh, attempt to unfold in what follows. um, I hope you don't find a little history lesson boring. Prior to and even after the uh, Civil War, the American Civil War, a war between the states, as it was known in the South, American society has been dominated at the time was dominated by Protestants, which venerated the Bible as the sole authority for Christians. They also relished individual interpretation of Scripture. Catholicism was loathed because it appeared to be, to them, anti-democratic. It had a monarchical power structure headed by the Pope who, in their opinion, dictated what their followers had to believe. Rome they held was the Whore of Babylon as described in the Book of Revelation, and the Pope was the Antichrist. In the years leading up to the war, slavery became a hot topic, especially after Britain outlawed it in the 1830s. Now, the Bible was the most widely read book in the whole country at the time, meaning the United States. But there was a problem. No common meaning could be discerned in the Bible as to what the course of... Men- action concerning slavery should be. Pro-slavery advocates found verses in the Bible which, in their opinion, supported slavery. Others found the opposite. And some moderates came to the conclusion that the status of slavery in Scripture was ambiguous but should be eliminated gradually by education, persuasion, and compassion. Now, there are various factors influencing particular interpretations of Scripture as it is related to slavery. One was economic. The plantation owners had a huge investment, which could vary with the number of slaves one owned. There was also the necessary labor uh, to plant and harvest such highly profitable crops as cotton. In this case, the owners were dependent upon cheap labor. For For abolitionists who were at the opposite extreme, nothing trumped the imperatives of personal freedom. They exhibited a contempt for Scripture that alienated many who otherwise would have been sympathetic to the removal of slavery as an institution. If the stronger their arguments based on general humanitarian principles became, the weaker the biblical arguments seemed to be to many. Now again, slavery in ancient societies, such as the Roman Empire, was colorblind. However, American slavery was confined to blacks. Something that many debating the issue seemed to be oblivious of was the underlying factor of racism. And this is an issue still being wrestled with long after the end of slavery. In the end, the war was won and slavery abolished, not by a convincing Christian moral leadership, but by military might the variety of irreconcilable interpretations of Scripture when it came to slavery uh, did much to cast doubt on the Bible. Protestants' moral authority was put in question, and they remained divided north and south after the war, as well as their division along racial lines. Religion came to be seen as more of a private affair, there has emerged an implicit agreement not to base public policy of any consequence on interpretations of Scripture. Now, where was the Catholic Church in the midst of all this? For starters, not a single well-known American Catholic endorsed abolitionism before 1862. Historic Catholic thinking affirmed the essential humanity of slaves but it also accepted the status quo by urging masters to treat slaves kindly and for slaves to obey their masters. This approach comes close to moderate Protestants. It also rejected abolitionism. In 1839, Pope Gregory XVI roundly condemned slavery in an apostatic, apostolic letter. But he was no friend of modern liberal thinking. Because of its source, most American Protestants were unimpressed with Catholic thinking in general. And there was another element which um, came into this, um, and that was the Catholic Church's experience of the role of suffering in spiritual development. I want to read you something from um, St. John of the Cross, what he had to say about suffering. Would that men might come at last to see that it is quite impossible to reach the thicket of the riches and wisdom of God except by first entering the thicket of much suffering, in such a way that the soul finds there there its consolation and desire. The soul that longs for divine wisdom chooses first, and in truth, to enter the thicket of the cross. Now, that doesn't mean we need to go out and uh, seek suffering, uh, as a masochist might But it does say that um, not all suffering is to be considered evil. Although in the case of slavery, I think that's pretty obvious. Um, But it it did leave some people to say, well, we don't need to be so um, uh, anxious to abolish it. As I indicated at the start, the Protestant stalemate over how to interpret scripture was not the only reason for how we got to where we are today, but it certainly provides an important element. Other developments have been the rise of science. Charles Darwin published his Origin of Species in 1859, just as the war was drawing near, and the growth of secularism I think one might even go so far as to argue that the relativism which I discussed last week was a beneficiary of this theological development. Be that as it may, at least gives us some food for thought. I think we're coming up on a break here, so I'll be back with you shortly.
0: Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. As a Catholic or non Catholic, would you be interested in knowing more about the faith? We have a large selection of books in various categories, from apologetics to spirituality. CDs and DVDs are also available, as well as handcrafted rosaries. In short, we are a resource for seekers. If we do not have what you are looking for, give us a call, and we will try to find it for you. Visit DefendingTheCatholicFaith.com to find out more, or call us at 251-317-3977. That's DefendingTheCatholicFaith.com. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness radio show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Who are you, really? Are you the person you want to be, or are you the person that others want you to be? Think about that. We don't always recognize our gifts and potential because we stick to old methods of being and do what others in our lives tell us. It's time to break through. Listen for Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. Each program connects you back to whom you were meant to be every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. You are tuned into Religious Faith and the Public Square with Father John Holliman. To reach the program today, please call one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to Faith at gmail.com. Now, back to Religious Faith and the Public Square.
1: Hello. I thought it might be worthwhile... To elaborate a bit on St. John of the Cross and his view of suffering, Um, he is best known perhaps for uh, the phrase, Dark Night of the Soul, and he certainly endured one, the likes of which most of us would never have to contemplate. Um, He was a a Carthusian monk, uh, along with St. Teresa of Avila, who was the Uh, female branch of the Conthusian Order in Spain in the 1500s and together they were working to reform their orders uh, which they felt had gotten lax in their discipline well you can imagine that the um, desire to change things didn't go down well with some folks and At one point when um, John was visiting one of his own monasteries they um, imprisoned him in a dark cell that had only um, a a window in the door which opened out onto a um, Enclosed passageway. In other words, he had no um, access to outside light or air. And he was kept there for something like eight months. And the only time they brought him out was to bring him into the refectory during meals and um, make him kneel down on the floor whereupon they proceeded to verbally abuse him. Um, And he was so docile during all this time that uh, his guards got, um, I guess you might say, overconfident. And because of that, he was able to uh, finally escape from that dungeon and make his way to one of the convents that belonged to um, Mother Teresa of uh, Avila the interesting thing is that for all the years after that he never said one cross thing about what had happened he didn't complain about it, he didn't whine about it, he didn't rage about it. And it was what that experience, which was literally a dark night of the soul for him, um, led him to recognize that it's all too easy to be um, enthusiastic about one's faith when things are going right it's when things go wrong, as they certainly did with him, that we are challenged to um, think of the nature of our relationship with the Lord, who himself, um, throughout his passion, managed to keep his mouth shut for the most part. He didn't whine. He didn't uh, rage at the injustice of what was being done to him. Um, He didn't say, woe is me. Um, Significantly, when he did open his mouth, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I wonder how many of us could do that. And I think it was that that St. John of the Cross was relating to. Uh, when he saw in what otherwise might be considered a horrendous experience as forcing him to seek deeper uh, into what God is wanting for us in the midst of all this. Um, and ultimately, um, he discovered what men have, That God was with him all through that. Um, And it was because of the spiritual strength provided um, in an otherwise horrific situation that he was able to come out the other side of it without any hard feelings. I wonder how many of us could uh, claim something like that. In any event, um, that's what he was getting at um, when he said that um, before we can discover the riches that God is offering us, we have to go through the experience of deprivation. Now, he wasn't saying that slavery was right. He wasn't even talking about slavery. Uh, This is more on an individual level. But it does say that not all suffering needs to be meaningless, Um, needs to be Um, the last word that it can be if we will take advantage of the opportunity um, the chance to grow spiritually in ways that we would not have otherwise this isn't to say that all suffering is meaningful or that all suffering is uh, um, a good thing by no means but it does say that we need to see it as something of an opportunity which we might not have had otherwise. Um, in common parlance, the, the silver lining in a dark cloud. Um, that didn't mean that. Um, we can turn a blind eye to the suffering of the slaves. Um, by and large, the Catholic experience in this country had some exceptional um, differences. For example, Louisiana, which was um, Catholic to the core, being uh, founded by French, and later governed by Spanish, but, Um they developed um, a racial relationship between the races, uh, which was far different from what it was in other parts of the South. Um, And to this day, there is a mixture of the races in Louisiana, which one doesn't often find elsewhere in the country. But... um, Well, slavery obviously needs to be ended. Um, I think all he was doing uh, was offering a possibility that not all suffering is necessarily negative; that there is something with God's help we can turn into a meaningful relationship with God. Um, we don't have to enforce that upon people. Life itself will bring out uh, an abundance of these kind of experiences. I think we've all had the experience of something at the time we thought was um, quite um, awful. But in retrospect, maybe even years later, we come to realize that uh, that was the best thing that ever happened to us, because it got us off our um, me-first approach to life, forced us to realize that um, there are important things to be learned by not getting our way by. Um, not uh, insisting on what we want and indeed it's um, a lesson which we all have to learn one way or another um, Original sin is this egotistical approach to life Um, that um, it's my way or the highway. And I, I would think that some of the people who went through Uh, Extreme situations, such as in World War II, in Vietnam, other places, that the experience of seeing real suffering up close—things that we would never think about or talk about—and many of them, after the experiences, do not, not still do not talk about them. What they what they saw, what they experienced. The horrendous horrors of war. Um, But still, it made them better people to experience that.
0: Your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. As a Catholic or non Catholic, would you be interested in knowing more about the faith? We have a large selection of books in various categories, from apologetics to spirituality. CDs and DVDs are also available, as well as handcrafted rosaries. In short, we are a resource for seekers. If we do not have what you are looking for, give us a call and we will try to find it for you. Visit defendingthecatholicfaith.com to find out more or call us at 251 317 3977. That's defendingthecatholicfaith.com.
1: The White House doctor makes house calls.
0: It's time to transform your life. Start by tuning in to The Glenise Show with Glenise Hughes. Glenise combines business, relationships, wealth, life, and a whole lot of magic to create abundance and prosperity in every part of your life. It's all done through straight and often frank discussions in the best way that Glenise knows how. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Master your life with The Glenise Show. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned into Religious Faith and the Public Square with Father John Holliman, to reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to Faith at gmail.com. Now, back to Religious Faith and the Public Square.
1: Well, as I said, the... Um... Um, this this struggle goes on for religious concerns to have a voice in the public uh, square. And I think we're going to be, um, while well, some people will find that threatening, uh, in the long run we're going to be better off for it. Because... Um, As I look upon the world, I've been around a few years, uh, I see it becoming increasingly superficial. Um, the so called um, digital re- revolution, in which people spend all their time on their cell phones, texting, or what have you. Um, It is depriving us of a lot of human encounter, so that we uh, are becoming monads, almost, as it were, isolated from um, the human dimension, caught up in all these uh, digital games and uh, technologies they supposed to help us communicate with one another better, but ironically it seems to be uh, that the opposite is happening. So I think there is a, a useful uh, voice which religion has to offer because it's dealing with some of the more fundamental aspects of life. And it's a reminder that we are ultimately spiritual creatures whether we like it or not. Um, even the likes of Hitler's and Stalin's have a spirituality. But it's not exactly one we would recommend to the general public. Um, it's a question of what kind of spirituality are we going to have? And the uh, spirituality of relativism is very facile and shallow, I think, um, depriving us of any kind of real um, engagement with the issues that concern all of us. Um, And that's sad, because God has gone to and continues to go to a great deal of trouble to break through our uh, self-made shells um, to make us aware of a deeper dimension of existence than just what we're handed. That um, there are some really important things to to come to grips with. And one thing I've learned about human nature: rationalization uh, comes into almost everything we do. We can rationalize virtually anything. And as long as there's nothing to challenge those rationalizations, we'll always be living in, to some extent, a a shallow world. Um, And I tell people, no one gets through life without being hit by a sledgehammer at some point which you're not senseless. And if you don't have the spiritual tools to deal with it, you can be crushed by it, um, obliterated by it, and you just become fatalistic and withdrawn from life. Um so that's why I think well, uh, wrestling with spiritual issues is by no means a um, simple, straightforward affair. Um, it's just a struggle that's worthwhile. Um, helping us to become more human, not less human. Whenever we can treat people as being inferior and subhuman. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, Negro slaves or Jews in Hitler's Europe. Um, we not only diminish our own humanity, but... Um, we try to steal what's, what little humanity the people we are opposed to have. It makes to turns them into big, angry people. These times of trial are, 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 should be looked upon as an opportunity to grow in a direction we never would have grown otherwise. And as uh, being, uh, in retrospect, um, incalculably invaluable. So while we have a lot of people nowadays, as always, I think, nothing new about that, um, trying to impose their view of things on others, um, we need to remember that um, there, there are times when liberalism cannot, can be illiberal uh, it insists upon its own agenda and that's what democracy is supposed to help us achieve a balance between what we want and what other people want um, Recognition that we can be wrong, and that's that's a healthy uh, realization to come to. That we do not have all the answers, and spirituality recognizes that. Certainly, in the Christian dispensation. That we can't have to, um, it's called hubris, which is a Greek word meaning pride, but not just any old pride. We need pride to survive, and there's something what I call a healthy pride, and that is pride in our work, pride in the job we do a feeling that we are making an accomplishment, a a contribution to our society and our fellow man. Um, Toxic pride is when we um, insist that we're right and others are wrong. There has to be a degree of humility in anything we say or do. Um, and each generation has to learn that lesson the hard way all over again. And I hope that um, we can do that in our uh, current contemporary situation uh, without having to uh, go through the cataclysms we've been forced into before, which um, for the most part are quite destructive, but there's always something constructive that can come out of anything. We're seeing out- outfits like um, ISIS, which gives religion a bad name, and, and even many of their co-religionists recognize that uh, they don't really speak for Islam. Um, but that's an a, a, a insidious kind of pride that insists that the whole world has to jump to their tune or else. And I think that's something that we've still managed to retain a bit of in this country, the recognition that uh, while a certain amount of conflict is going to always be a part of human relations with each other, (laughs) <laughs> that at some point it starts to become uh, toxic and um, destructive rather than constructive. And that's one of the things that I see about the current c- contemporary situation that I didn't recognize uh, for the, my earlier part of my life. That we seem to be entering a phase of which... Um, we're getting back into this whole thing of my way or the highway, kind of thing, which we need to recognize um, as being um, most undesirable. Well, I think I'm coming up on another break here. Um, be back to see you shortly.
0: As a Catholic or non-Catholic, would you be interested in knowing more about the faith? We have a large selection of books in various categories from apologetics to spirituality. CDs and DVDs are also available, as well as handcrafted rosaries. In short, we are a resource for seekers. If we do not have what you are looking for, give us a call and we will try to find it for you. Visit DefendingTheCatholicFaith.com to find out more or call us at 251-317-3977.
1: turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America
0: Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Tuned into Religious Faith and the Public Square with Father John Holliman. To reach the program today, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to defending Catholic Faith at gmail.com. Now, back to Religious Faith and the Public Square.
1: Welcome back. Um, I'd just like to reiterate that I, um, like to have questions, so you can either phone one in or email one in. Um, it makes for a more interesting discussion rather than just my monologue. Um. getting back to the question of uh, religion and politics, um, I think the Lord himself gives us a good, sets a good example for dealing with others who disagree with us. He never forces us. Uh, he, He never... Um, otherwise we would be puppets. But he is persistent in trying to get through to us to expose the incredible love he has for us. And Sometimes we have to get knocked down by life before we can begin to appreciate it. Um, and insisting that I'm the only one who's right is um, heaven knows if God wanted to he could um, really zap us but he doesn't in fact he does something far more effective. He leaves us to our own devices. And that puts us in self-contained nightmares of our own making. Um, I don't think that when it comes to heaven or hell, God has to separate, choose which one we go to. I think we've done all that for ourselves. And uh, there's some scriptural basis for that. Um, No matter how uh, awful we may become as a human being, there's always possibility for hope. And great conversion stories of history testify to that. I know of a lady who um, spoke with a priest friend of mine who said, "You know I feel like um, I need God in my life, but I'm such a sinner uh, I don't see how he could accept me." His response was, "The greatest sinners make the best saints," and I think that's true because they can't take anything for granted. They, um, once they've come to realize that God can love them, warts and all, which hopefully is what marriage is all about. They said that the most mature stage of marriage. It's when you realize you're not going to change the other person, but you love him anyway. And God has to put up with us even when we're very um, lost in our own concoctions. But for those who have managed to. allow grace to break through and touch their hearts, Uh, there cannot help but be gratitude. I think that's one of the marks of a real mature faith. When a person can be grateful for things even in the midst of trials and tribulations, that um, be grateful that God has shown them how important they are to Him and that uh, in God's scheme of things there is no such thing as hopeless that every one of us has the capacity and the ability to be better than what we are and we can't all do it on our own by ourselves we need not just the grace of God but uh, other fellow travelers who are journeying on the same journey we are. Uh, and that's why we have these support groups in various, not only for cancer, but for <coughs> things like alcoholism and drug abuse. Uh, support groups in which people who have been through something pretty awful uh, are able to help others uh, get through the process that they went through. And... Um, I knew a businessman once who said, I've got four people in my country, my company, who are uh, members of AA. He said, I don't know what they've got that I, I don't have. But it seems to me it be almost worth it to become an alcoholic just to get what they've got. Um, again, even at the darkest of nightmares that we humans create for ourselves. There's always a light of hope. And the tragedy is we we often give up hope and think that life isn't worth living. And those are the kind of people that jump off of buildings. That's um that's a tragedy that doesn't have to happen. So that, um, ideally I think the church is meant to be a great uh, support group for those who have been wounded by life. Um... And there are those who have been wounded by life who don't even recognize it. They're the ones that are hardest to crack. But still, um, he never gives up on us even when we give up on ourselves. And that's the most important thing for any of us to really genuinely recognize that Um, whatever we may think of ourselves. God knows we're better and capable of something much more exciting and uh, purposeful than the dead end that we find ourselves trapped in sometimes. Well, time's drawing close. I'll talk a little bit about next week going to have a guest on the show, and that's always interesting. Um, we're going to talk about, um, for lack of a better term, modernism, and what it offers and what, it, what its pitfalls are. Um, there's nothing that we humans come up with that can't be made by. But if all too often we make it for all the worse. So I look forward to seeing you again next week. And may God bless you if you're going through a dark night of the soul.
0: you for tuning in to religious faith and the public square please join father john holliman again next thursday at 10 a.m pacific time and 1 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel we hope you have a very good week